The following podcast contains explicit language. Hello and welcome to Sex Lives, the New York Magazine sex podcast. I'm New York Magazine sex columnist Maureen O'Connor, and this is a super special elections episode because I'm currently at the Democratic National Convention in Philadelphia, and my makeshift studio is here in New York Magazine's bizarre Airbnb um, situation where we're all staying and it's utterly disgusting. And today I am joined by my coworker Rembert Brown. Hey! Columnist at New York Magazine. He writes about politics and culture. Hey Rembert! What's up? It's like the real world or like, or like Big Brother. One of those reality shows. It's like weird. It's like a sitcom where people are always coming through the door. I don't know who's here. <laughs> I don't know who's not here. Like people are going to get locked out. It's... it's and every time somebody enters the door, there actually is like a studio audience like cheering. They're like, hi, Robert. <laughs> That's amazing. That. Okay. So yeah, let's get started. As we said, Robert, you were at the Republican convention last week. So we're going to be talking about both candidates during this strangely sexually charged election. Weird, right? Yep. Uh, so first up will be a discussion of Bill Clinton's surprisingly romantic convention speech, which we just watched last night yes. um, in the Wells Fargo Hall. Stadium. Arena. Whatever. And we're also going to discuss the strange political marriage that I think is actually the best one, which is Kuma Baden and Anthony Weiner. Let's go. Let's talk about it. Um, next up, then, we'll discuss the somewhat horrifying sexual tension between Donald Trump and, like, every woman he encounters, particularly the women who work on his campaign and yes. cover his campaign. Yes. And also his fans' attacks on his opponent. Mm-hmm. And finally, we'll talk about the rise of a strange new right-wing insult. Cuckservative, the cuckolded conservative. Which I and I have no idea what that is, so you're gonna tell me what that means and we're gonna talk about it. Alright, so Bill Clinton's speech. I wasn't there during the beginning of it when he sort of retold the courtship romance with Hillary, but let's listen to some of the audio. In the spring of 1971, I met a girl. Do you sort of freak out when he opened with I met a girl? It was so <laughs> There, I, I just, I was sitting next to Rebecca. Uh-huh. Rebecca Tracer, our co-worker. And I just, I was, I, I felt like my, my, my limbs were getting like, like rigor mortis or something. <laughs> I, I, I was like, Bill, no. Like, <laughs> because I also, I also had heard from a couple people that uh, maybe no one had read the speech or he hadn't gotten it. Like pre-screened, so right? They like said he was he was like pencil working on it up yeah. to the last second, yeah. right? And apparently he also um, <clears throat> was going off of the teleprompter a lot because I mean that's like what that's yeah. the legend of Bill Clinton. He just he could just go off the cuff. So him starting it off with this like <laughs> I met a girl and then <laughs> like the even like the early Hillary courtship things of him just like. Saw her in the library and I just stared at her. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, let's, let's play some of that audio now, too. The first time I saw her, we were, appropriately enough, in a class on political and civil rights. She had thick blonde hair, big glasses, wore no makeup. And she exuded this sense of strength and self possession that I found magnetic. After the class, I followed her out, intending to introduce myself. I got close enough to touch her back, but I couldn't do it. 
Somehow I knew this would not be just another tap on the shoulder. That I might be starting something I couldn't stop. <laughs> no. I wish Rember like has his hands over his face right now. There's just so there were so many moments, and this is the an, uh, another great thing about Bill is he does these pauses where you don't know what's gonna come next. Like, he yeah. He's one word or one phrase like dangling and you don't know what direction he's like i like i touched her back and i'm like oh yeah. <laughs> like, like, but like the the verbs are always like very controversial and then it's like 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 i followed her into the library like i was like oh, so that's not like the path like he just had me real stressy <laughs> Part. I guess that's part of the fun of Bill too, is that you're like, he's probably going to be a statesman, but there's a, there's a, there's a certain percent chance that he's going to go full creep. Oh man, I, didn't, I just didn't know like where he was going to go at any point. So when they're cheering, you hear them cheering, he's like, I met a girl, whenever they're cheering, were people laughing too? Yes. yes. <laughs> I mean, I think, well, first off, like you Like, just, do you think he was... He knows, and he was just sort of playing with us to sort of like, I know what you think is going to happen, <laughs> but look, Hillary's fucking hot, and I am in love with her, you know, as opposed to sort of like, she's the sexless one, and he dogs around with everyone else. No, I think, I think Bill knew what he was doing. I, I, I typically think Bill knows what he's doing. The funny thing about him, like, replaying the courtship, like, moment for moment, was that I, um... So I got there and I was like listening to that and the like it reminded me a little bit and it was the first moment I was like, oh man, he fucking loves her. Yeah. Because it reminded me of that thing when you have a friend who is like, so I met this guy, and then he said this, and then I said this, and then he said this, and then I said this, and then I went home and I thought about him for a while. And I think he might have been thinking about me because yeah. I love it. I love it. I think uh Cause there's a moment when I was like, I'm a little bit bored, but then I was like, but he's enthralled right now and he's just talking about Hillary. And I also, you know, I think it's a it's a good thing. I, I I'm I can't recall every first lady convention speech that I've ever heard, but yeah. I feel like that's often the the tone of it, like just telling like the origin story of this relationship and them. And I think people were thrown off by it because it's from Bill Clinton. Yeah, you have to like continue to remind yourself, like, yes, that's Bill Clinton, former president, but. His wife is running for president, and he now has that role that she had, and like... He really you know, stepped into the first lady role. It was great. In which, like, that sort of old conservative dream of, like, the woman's job is just to love her husband. Mm -hmm. And he's like, my job is just to love her. My, my, my job is to convince her to marry me. Yeah, and it was so romantic. That's great. I loved it so much because like my impression had always been I just watched that PBS um, four-part series about the Clintons Yes, because I was that jazzed about all this yeah. um, but the initial um, Part one is just all about their courtship essentially and her mm -hmm. deciding and I was always sort of like I that was the moment when I realized that I was like she must have really loved him because she had this like great job in DC yeah. um, and she's like this guy who she met is like back in Bumblefuck, Arkansas, and she's like, what, are you, what kind of job are you gonna get? He's like, oh, I'm not gonna get a job, I'm just gonna run for office. <laughs> she's like, cool, I'm gonna leave my amazing job in Washington, D.C., and my young, promising career to live, he didn't live in, even live in Little Rock yet at the time, no. to move to like the middle of nowhere with this jobless guy and support him and just help him run. And like, that's a classic, like, girl, no, you're making a big mistake moment. Girl. Girl, <laughs> is, is you crazy? <laughs> exactly. That's why I was like, okay, so she definitely loved him. 
and my impression had always been that I was like, I couldn't, I couldn't quite sort out that he was definitely like enthralled by her in so many ways, and then it seems like over the years, like she keeps saving him again and again from himself, mm -hmm. and like at that point, I'm like, I think he really loves her too. Yeah. Maybe I'm just like such an optimist about this, but I think I used to always be very cynical and I thought of them as like the Underwoods or something. Yeah. But then over the course of just like the last little bit of like looking at their old courtship this, that I'm like, damn, I think they love each other. That Even is... if he taps a lot of women on the back, you know? I, I reached out to grab her foot. <laughs> <laughs> and I know that this wouldn't just be any old tap on the back. Oh, no. I was like, Bill, you are killing me right now. Like, please just like stop with these vague. Oh man, I loved it. Uh. I know, and the description of her and her flowery skirt. He kind of made one thing that was really sweet was that there were a few speeches that um, I think we're so used to seeing. So many of the people spoke about Hillary just as sort of this like success bot in some ways, yes. and that we finally got a couple little people evoking. Um, sort of a girly or a real her, um, a like sexy Hillary on some level with yes. her like thick blonde hair. Anyways, so that was kind of like, that was such a surprise to me and I actually so enjoyed that because obviously I'm a romantic and the only thing I care about is if Bill and Hillary are truly That's in love. That's all you care about. That's all you care about. And if it's like a love that like destroys them or empowers them. At this point I think there was a moment when you're like, this could have been like the worst thing she ever did, but in fact it's awesome. It's like the notebook. Yes! What's the guy that writes those books? Uh, Nicholas Sparks? Yes, it's yes. all of a sudden, yeah, we thought it was going to be like a real dark, like, mm -hmm. turns out to be it's all in Nicholas Sparks. Yeah, it's just like, like they're standing in the rain after like yeah. World War II or something. I, don't, I, I can't remember what happens in that book. Um, I remember um, Milan Kundera writes all these novels that are like very specifically about his own like annoying sexuality, um, mm -hmm. that like Czech writer. But is um, in the unbearable lightness of being, there's one character that it's a guy who cheats all the time, and like the woman who loves him, and they love each other madly, but he just can't stop cheating, mm -hmm. and they go crazy like over the course. And then there's a moment at the very end of the book when he's like all like gray and old, and she's like dancing with him, and she looks at him, and all of a sudden she's like, oh my god, my husband's finally mine, because no one else wants him. And I was like, that is so dark. That is Dark. I'm not applying that to the first, <laughs> to the like, you know, the first couple as they may or may not be become, but um, there was some weird wisdom to that that I was like, there's certain couples that fall in love more over time, mm. or is there some that like start off in love and then it disappears? Yeah. Anyways. Is that, their, is that your segue to Anthony Weiner? <laughs> yes, it is. Look at that. Look what I did. So I have this new theory, and I think. So far when I floated it, everybody thinks I'm completely insane. Alright, well that's a perfect place for me to be, because I might be on your side. Who knows? Oh my gosh! So I was thinking about it, and I was thinking about that sort of strange, that Bill and Hillary seem to have like a relationship of equals, and it's been like a struggle, you know, or it seems like there's been a lot of sort of push-pull, whatever, yeah. to sort of reach their stasis, and like their like stable, mutually helpful, helpmate situation. Yes. Whereas Donald Trump, has that very, I mean, the thing that really makes him seem like a conservative is just his approach to marriage and women because his women are very much the sort of division of labor. She's in charge of the domestic sphere. Yes. Um, Melania has never farted in front of him. We discovered in the GQ profile of her. She's at the secret to a great marriage of separate bathrooms, which I sort of agree with, but not because like he never hears you fart because like every dude I date hears me fart yes. nonstop. Constant <laughs> soft fart. <laughs> it never stops. Just, just a, just a non-stop 
very muted part. Like soft rock playing in the back yeah. of an elevator. <laughs> like a dentist office. This is just a fart. This podcast basically exists for me to explain why I'm the world's worst girlfriend and no one should ever date me. Is that the name of the podcast? <laughs> yeah, Never Date Maureen O'Connor. The podcast. The podcast. Run. Run to you by New York Magazine. <laughs> New York Magazine here to destroy its writers' lives in our real-world house. Yeah. Uh, CT, shut up. <laughs> Where's Coral? <laughs> so, <laughs> anyways, but point being that um, you get the feeling that, like, Donald, he had once said, I believe, before Baron was born, so maybe this has changed, but he said, I never changed a diaper. He's like, I don't know how to do that. Like, that they have that complete division of labor where he makes all the choices and they sort of follow along. Marriage of Equals, we've got this sort of struggle for equality, mm. ultimately reaching a stasis with the Clintons. And then I was thinking about Huma Abedin mm. and Anthony Weiner. Yes. And I actually believe, you now that documentary Weiner, which came out about him this year, which was the most like riveting, was, stressful was, thing. Yeah, like if Bill Clinton's speech was stressful, like was like a, a four. <laughs> That dog is like a, like a 92. I was just, the whole time, I was just, I could not. I watched it in a room with a, I was in my friend's house and he has a cat. Mm -hmm. And he, the cat started freaking out because yeah. you could feel the ambient yes. stress that each of us was exuding. The cat started running back and forth uh, and meowing. That's what I was doing when I was watching it. I was running back and forth meowing in my own house. That's what I was doing. I was freaking out. So the thing though that's amazing about the documentary is there's this moment, maybe like two thirds, three quarters of the way through, when you can see Huma just like it washing over her face while Anthony's watching a video of himself blowing up at NBC. It's like the moment in his campaign. It's just over. He's a complete clown. He's watching himself and giggling. And she looks at him, she's like, Anthony, it's not good. It's not good. And you see that look on her face that I imagine many women throughout history have had. The moment that they're like, holy fuck, I procreated and I'm chained to an idiot. My husband is inferior to me. Yes. And after that moment, it's like this real snap. And all of a sudden, she just starts shutting him down. And she, you know, that she's just like, no, I'm not appearing on camera. No, 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 not gonna go, not gonna go. And she like kind of sort of just separates herself. She won't be seen with him in public. And it strikes me, also knowing sort of the way they live now, mm -hmm. that she's at this point making some sort of calculation of like, is it worth it to keep him there? Yes. What am I gonna do with this guy? I already have a kid with him. Blah. And it strikes me that seeing the way it's gone now, seeing the way she's campaigning and the way her life has sort of continued, and some, you know, sort of gossipy or reports about, you know, everybody in Hillary's camp sort of falling in line. They're all Team Huma, obviously. It strikes me that I was like, maybe Huma just realized and made this calculation, hey, I've got a kid. The kid is half of this guy. I've got free childcare for the rest of my life because this guy's never having another job. And they just sort of calculated that Huma's career was going to be in charge. It, her career was going to take precedent. She's the person who becomes sort of the traditional, quote, husband. Yes. That she, you know, whatever their family has in terms of, like, status or social success, money, everything, are going to come from her. And then I thought, well, isn't that kind of great? Instead of the gender determining who becomes that the, quote, unquote, husband, yeah. it actually was just, you know a meritocracy of two and she definitely was more capable and so now she does that and now he's going to be the housewife and I thought although the level of his inferiority is striking and sad yes the idea that you enter a marriage and it's sort of like who's in charge is just determined by who's better at that that to me like is who's, kind of beautiful who's better at being an adult 
Yeah! And like, you know, you can't- so she infantilizes her spouse because he is a fucking infant. There. That's the reason that you make somebody be like the wife who isn't allowed to fart in front of you and takes care of the kid. Anthony, you are not allowed to fart around me or my child. Because there's this thing, um, so I was like looking at that old Clinton stuff where it, during his first sort of early sex scandals in Arkansas, that there are these sort of old school Democrats and they're like, holy shit, like when that happened and when Hillary just forcefully defended him and like sort of won back the public for him, that they said, oh my god, what if we elected the wrong Clinton? And in that sense, that I was like, maybe that's sort of progress. There will never be a sense of like, I mean, I don't think he's holding her back. He's fucked up a lot of shit she wanted, but she's like, okay, fine, that's not gonna work. I'm just gonna live my life, and now my marriage looks like this. He's and then she gets to choose yeah. it for herself. She makes the calculation of whether or not it's worth staying married. She calculates yes, and then she reforms the marriage the way she wants it. Or at least this is my very optimistic idea of it from, you know. Progressive point of view. My fan fiction that I'm offering. We're, all we're doing is talking fan fiction. I know. I was standing on the floor and I looked over to the side and Huma, like there's this little like bat cave from underneath the stage um, at the DNC oh, yeah. where the, the like VIPs will sometimes come out to watch. She came out during Bernie's speech, a bunch of them did, and they're all sort of like watching like sort of with major poker faces like looking at the crowd, looking up. Mm. And I was kind of like, Huma! And I like make eye contact and I kind of like smile and smile over and she instantly like walks back behind a security guard and I was like, damn it. Sorry. I saw her and I just, I feel She's like... like Marine, don't fart on me. <laughs> <laughs> I see you coming with your soft fart, girl. This is a nice dress. This is a nice event. Don't fart on me during Bernie's speech, you monster. <laughs> but anyways, but I was like, that just looks like a self-actualized woman. <laughs> her husband is nowhere to be found. Good for you. You keep him at home with the baby. Yeah, like, they, they, they are not, perhaps, like, the power couple. Yes. That, you know, that... I think we all like to fan fictionalize as like the the dream yeah. of these people to be like, you know, be this two headed, powerful monster, like kind of underwoody. Yeah, but and, like but, not every relationship has like, to be no, that. That's not how it has to be. And like this is probably for the better. Are we gonna talk about that thing that I don't know what it is? Yeah. I'm gonna need you to break this down to me like like a like an infant. Break it down to me like you were talking to Anthony Weiner. <laughs> <laughs> Infantilize it. <laughs> like, just like, just, I, I want to know everything about this. Okay, so there's this new right wing insult okay. that has risen. It's all sort of the cuck or the okay. cuckservative, okay. which is bizarre because it's super. Um, so you know what a cuckold is, which is it. There's the like the old timey word for a dude who sleeps with someone else's wife. You're cuckolding the husband, right? The, the guy sleeps with. So is it someone that they know? Yeah, wife? just any time that like, if, if, if you're a guy who's married and a dude sleeps with your wife, he's turning you into cuckold, he's a cuckolding you. Oh, okay. So the cuckold, um, in like old timey terms or whatnot, was like, this, you know, this man who's a fool, he's not in charge of his woman, he's like emasculated and weak. Oh, um, the man who got cheated on. Yeah, is, is a cuckold. Is, is, is the emasculated one. It's really confusing because we don't even have like a term for this for yeah. women. Like it's it's one of those yeah. like what? Um, but today it's sort of become a fetish that there are people that like to like a man with a woman and he wants the woman to like sleep with some other dude in front of him. Okay. And like feel like emasculated and jealous or like he wants, you know, some other guy to fuck his wife and she's like, oh my god, your dick is so much bigger than my husband's and he sits there and like feels bad about himself but it's really sexy for some reason. Okay. This is this is just like where free porn has gotten us. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a thing now. Okay, okay. 
So then in terms of as this bizarre new right-wing meme, it sort of started last year Rush Limbaugh referred to critics of Donald Trump as, quote, cuckolded Republicans. So like Jeb Bush was a cuckolded Republican in his eyes, which is sort of like Trump is fucking your wife. Trump is like, Trump has taken over and is swinging his dick all over this thing that you thought well, he was married and in love with you. <laughs> which is kind of a successful metaphor. So basically he did that to, Trump did that to like every single man that he knocked out of the debates. Yeah, that's how they were looking at it. Although it gets really confusing when you're like, what did he do to Carly Fiorina then? But, yeah, that's, yeah. Um, so then, but anyways, right after Rush Limbaugh said that, couple of Republicans, um, then you sort of see it evolve and that all of a sudden all these sort of like alt-right internet, which I think is just our code for like asshole internet these yeah, days, yeah, yeah. Um, but all these people start using the term cuck and they're like, he's a cuck, that person's a cuck, what a cuck-servative. As an insult. Yeah, as an insult of like these like wimpy dudes who like don't have any power, the obsession with, you know, male power in this election. Um, immediately red state's Eric Erickson said that um, the term like the cuck meme was coined by white supremacists and all of a sudden we go into what <laughs> so now then this is incredible then we get into some crazy race shit because he's like i looked up <laughs> this was a great thing eric erickson is like i put that into like my porn hub or whatever he did and he's like i saw a bunch of videos of black men fucking white dudes white wives and he's like so that's racist but it's also confusing because then you're like if they're cuckolded is the black man having sex with their wife, Donald Trump? <laughs> this metaphor is breaking I down. I need a flow chart. <laughs> <laughs> so then that sort of spirals, and the level of race dimensions or not are kind of confusing because it is true that this sort of cuck thing comes up a lot on white supremacist message boards and whatever. Okay. But, like, definitely it is not a fetish that is inherent, like, there probably are cuckolds who like that, and there are, like, those that would be so termed in the, in like, in, in, the, in the white supremacist world, it is, like, an insult to have, like, like, it's an insult to, like, the white man who's getting his wife slept with with a black, by a black man. It's, like, a way to insult yes. a fellow weak white man. Yes, but it isn't necessarily, the term doesn't necessarily... In the world of porn, in the world of all I have for the truth I know is what I know from porn. And the term itself does not, did not in its origin and did not in the fetish world where it is 100% active, like people that are like, I'm a cuck fetishist. Those aren't people that have race shit. No, that's necessarily. Just, but, but that's just how they were using Yeah, it. that okay. is a subgroup within it. Okay. So there's this, all this crazy debate about whether or not it does does or doesn't have like some connotation of that. Okay. But the one thing that um, kind of all those who do use the term a lot is that, um, here I'm gonna read you some definitions written by her lovely friend Milo Yannopoulos, uh, the guy who got kicked off Twitter permanently. <laughs> this is getting real dark. Damn, damn Milo. So Mike Cernovich, a lawyer and blogger who uses the, you know, this cuck shit all the time. He calls it, quote, a cuck-servative a Republican who enjoys watching his friends on the right and indeed his entire country get screwed by the radical left. Say, so Paul Ryan is a cuck-servative. Did you see when he said that Trump was, like, racially insensitive? Total fucking cuck. Gotcha. Um, so. So it's like, it's like, it's like, 
It's like conservative on conservative. It's conservative on conservative violence. Yes. Which, and I have to say, they claim that we're hurting them, but they're just hurting each other in their own communities so much more. <laughs> <laughs> and it's crazy because you also realize that if this is like that fight that they're having, they're like, what? So is there like a single woman with power? What do you like? And the fact that that also is that the sort of war within between like Trump supporters and conservatives who feel a little weird about Trump. Women aren't even in the picture. They're not even in the picture. Uh, is any... The women are pawns, basically. Like they're just like they're just like placeholders and things yeah. that involve men. Not only are they placeholders, with... they're also just symbols, sort yeah. of in a way. They're they're like props for metaphor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, if anybody listening has feelings about cucks and cuckservatives, and if it indeed is totally racist or not, I'm like completely I don't really have a dog in that fight as one who is neither conservative nor conservative yes. um, and I'm just sort of watching from the sidelines. You can always call our voicemail box about this, about anything else we talked about at 646-494-3590. I definitely might call and leave a voicemail. <laughs> I have so many questions. so many questions. But tell me, when you were in Cleveland, how much was sort of the like sexual aggression or that sort of like hyper, almost teen boy masculinity present? You know, it was, I felt, it felt just like, I, it felt like I got thrown back into a, an older time where oh it was God. like, it's kind of like. An older I, time that nevertheless had lots of Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I remember being like 22 and every now and then I'd go to like Meatpacking District or like the West Village to a bar and like look around and I was like, this place is not for me. I was like, I, I'm surrounded by bankers and like the women who love them. Huh? And like, they are like, mm -hmm. like it's like watching these men like be men around each other, just like do, doing men things and like each one had their lady and they would just like watch the, oh men, the men be men and then like they would all leave. I was like, that's how I felt about like, like, the women weren't supposed to interject. They were just supposed to, like, sit and, like, watch their men be men. Like, that's kind of how I felt in Cleveland. It was, like, mm -hmm. there, were, there were a ton of women there. Yeah. Um, but they were, they were there to just, like... To make everybody chant Trump, Trump, Trump? Like, like, like they were there to, like, it felt like a powerless group. Mm -hmm. In a way that, obviously, like, here in Philly is the exact opposite. Well, they're there, but it feels like they're, um, they're not the subject of the sentence, you know? Yeah. It's like, it's like the, it's like, it's, it was like a, like a, like a parenthetical. It's like, a, it's like a footnote. It's like, uh -huh. it's like women were also there. It's like one at the bottom of the page. <laughs> it's like women also present in Cleveland. Like, it's, like, I didn't, I was like, this just feels... This feels like how things like really, really always were like back in the day. I, mm -hmm. I, I just feel it's just like you have, like, I feel like we were like very close to just like, like a good old boys club. Mm -hmm. It's just like, yes, like <clears throat> I, I expected to like, like walk by places and it was just like, like you like leave your women outside while the men are going to go talk. Please curb your woman. Yeah. And yeah, yeah it's like, like we'll be done soon. Um, uh, it was, it was, you know what? 
I'm just sort of realizing now that I think part of when people are trying to pick apart the racial dimensions of, say, the conservative impulse, like insult, and the reason that things like that tend to resonate a lot among racists, although they aren't necessarily inherently racist things, but it's that anytime that you're sort of hearkening back to an era when, say, the woman is just an object and all that matters if, like, a woman is raped is that her husband's like, hey, that was my dick in her. Yeah. Um, now I'm the cuckold, you jerk. Why did you do that to me? And you're like, what? Did the woman want that to happen? Help. Um, that also is the era when people were overtly racist, you know? And, like, it all just sort of, like, comes packaged together in some creepy way. Yeah, it's like... Yeah, I mean, it, it may, like, you can't really talk about, like, going back in time to a, a, a better time, like, in quotation marks as, like, in the sense that, like, you can't just, like, talk about, like, Things were bad. Things were even worse for everyone mm. in in this time that we speak of. Like things were, you know, and that, that's like that's like the the kind of scary or weird thing about this like Trump movement. It's like they they genuinely think like things are getting like worse for white people. Yeah. And like are trying to like regain that stronghold. Part of that stronghold is like making things a lot worse for everyone else again. Yeah. Like for women, for minorities. For gay, like it was just like everything, and it's and so like. Or it's also this like bizarre, horrible, like inverse rainbow coalition of that like people that want to oppress women. If you join forces with people who want to oppress racial minorities, and those people, we all work together and we can just oppress everyone. It's like Captain Planet. It's like yeah. <laughs> with our powers combined, we can oppress everyone. Here's not perfect Here's at not all. Perfect. I mean. There, I'm, I'm, I'm writing about this right now, but there are there are moments, and like I'd always like speculated about this, but I hadn't like spent a ton of time at Bernie rallies. I had yeah. um, I was outside watching like this huge group of Bernie um, supporters protesting and saying a lot of anti-Hillary stuff, and it was pretty much like if I if you gave me like two sound clips, there were times where I couldn't tell you if it was stuff in Cleveland or stuff in Philadelphia. Like, I, I couldn't, yeah. I, I, it would be very hard to figure out if this was something from an anti-Hillary Trump person or anti-Hillary Bernie person. It was, like, kind of yeah. the same, like, crooked Hillary, like, you know, like, like, some of the chants were felt the same. Lock like, her up. Lock her up, like, the, like, the, like. That's just, I mean, <laughs> like, fascistic. That's just crazy. I was like, wait, what? Like. Um, Rebecca Tracer wrote about this, too, about the sort of, like, Bernie people borrowing the rhetoric from the RNC, which was, like. I didn't expect that when I got here, and I was actually a little bit shocked by it, by the sort of vitriol levels. Um, I mean, there are places where you literally lock up the political... Whoever loses the election gets locked up, right? You lost. You you know what happens next. Yeah. (laughs) Those are good places. I got educated today. I'm I'm not here... uh, I claim to be an internet, like, person that, like, knows what's going on. I don't even know about the, the eight levels of cuck. Yeah. C-U-C-K, for the record, is how you spell it. C-U-C-K, yes. Cuck. Cuck surfative. I don't Um, like that. It's really disgusting, honestly. I hate saying it. I know, I like, it's a little skin crawling. Um, I'm not sure if it was, (laughs) we've given it a platform. Let's not use this term, people. It's a rude word. I mean, it's fun when, like, conservatives are fighting each other, but you're also like, that's also just the thing that completely removes the woman from the equation. Oh, man, like, Ivanka's like... Ivanka? I, I, I love her. What? Oh my gosh, wait. So we need to talk about this. But I, then I but I don't. But I was like I was watching her speech and I was like, oh, 
Yeah, so she gets on the stage, her dad pats her ass because they have that creepy relationship, speaking of sex stuff. I, 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 <laughs> he seems to have, um, it's as though, so here's another theory. Trump is so utterly distracted by like his attraction and obsession with sexu you know, sexualizing women and how hot they are, rating them by numbers, all that stuff, talking about how hot Ivanka is and her body. You know, who's, you know who's one of the great beauties of the world, according <laughs> to everybody, and I helped create her? Who? Ivanka. My she daughter, is. Ivanka. Yeah. She's six feet tall. She's got the best body. Yeah, she's hot. She made a lot of... And he's so distracted by this that he sort of, it's the only thing that I remember Olivia Nuzzi um, profiled Hope Hicks, his press secretary, yeah. that like 20-something little girl, yeah. and he sort of can't even speak about her other than saying she's a beautiful girl, she's beautiful, she's beautiful. She's beautiful. She's beautiful. And then I was like, I wonder if the only way to be a woman and work with Trump and have him actually like, view you for your brain is just to be like a very unattractive woman. Like, he just can't function when <laughs> all he can do is look at a woman who's beautiful. He's like, are you a woman? Yeah, and he's like, I don't know what's happening here. Oh, I guess I'll listen to the words that come out of your mouth. So the Ivanka thing, though, is that she's so completely appe like appealing. And that's why I think she's actually the true sociopath of the Trump campaign. Because I think she knows 100% that, like, everything is wrong and bad. But she still wants it just because she just wants to, like, be close to power and win. And that is well, that was the moment. Donald doesn't know the difference. He's just yeah. stupid. Well, I was watching it. I, I, I was, mm -hmm. uh, and I was like, wow, like this is, you know, say what you will. This is like that was a very good speech. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, oh, this is dangerous as hell. Mm -hmm. Like, like you just basically created a world in which this man is like a great, caring, wonderful, like thoughtful, like man that that like cares about women more than every other man and I was like oh man that's wouldn't that be dark if that really was the man who cared about women in America <laughs> Donald Trump terrifying America America's man for women <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's all we got um Maureen thank you so much for great. doing this Rembert uh, uh, I gotta go hang out with Coral yeah, I know. You gotta go. <laughs> we, have a, we have a challenge with the road rules. <laughs> I love this house. Uh, so that's it for Sex Lives this week. Uh, thanks so much to our guest, Rember Brown. And a reminder that you can always reach our voicemail box at 646-494-3590. So this week, Colin, tell us your feelings about cuckolding. Conservatives fucking each other's wives. Um, the Bill and Hillary romance. Is it the epic love story of our times or the tragic love story? And do you think Huma and Anthony are kind of the couple of the future? Or am I batshit insane? Anyway, so Sex Lives is produced by Sam Dingman. See you next week. Um, I'll be back in New York and things will be a little less bananas, we hope. Uh, thanks for listening.